Thank you very much. I would like to share with you greetings and salutations from all brothers and sisters you have in Morocco, all over Morocco. And uh, I would like to say you how happy I am to be here in front of you and how scared I am too. <laughs> I would like to apologize in front of the choir because it's the third time this morning you will hear how I'm able to injure this wonderful Shakespeare mother tongue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if God is with us, is for us, who can be, who could be against us? Truly, truly, many, many, many things can be against us during our life. Is that true? Many, many things. Hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, and so on, and so on. I would like to share with you what the member of my church, church is facing every day. I am the president of the Protestant Church of Morocco, a very small and very insignificant church and maybe many of you never heard about it before this day. And I'm very happy and proud to say to you that my church is completely full. I presume these facts could let some of you feel a bit jealous, but 95% of the members of my church are between 17 and 30 years old. All of them are from sub-Saharan countries. 34 different nationalities in my church. From all Protestant denominations, you can find all over the world, and you know they are very numerous. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Adventist, Pentecostal, Church of uh, Revival, and so on, and so on, and so on. Everybody in one church, because it is the only official church recognized in Morocco. So we have to live together. We do not have the choice. If we had, we'd never do that. Never, ever. <laughs> but we have to live together, and to live church together, share gospel together. And believe me, it's not easy every day. Half of them are students coming there for university, Moroccan University, which are quite good in Africa. And half of them are migrants. A very few of these migrants are, have an official statue by UNRCA of refugees. 
actually about 850 of 40,000 migrants in Morocco. All of them are considered as illegal migrants. They are not allowed to be there. And I can easily explain to you this situation. Do you remember the parable of the poor Lazar lying on the doorstep of the unnamed rich man in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16? Let me give you the name of this rich man. His name is Europe. Morocco is lying on the doorstep of Europe. You should take a glance to a map. You will discover how Morocco is in fact the bottom of a huge funnel that collects all the bitter fruits of globalization and all the shaking conflicts that come with all over Africa. In my church, we do live in the rhythm of the crisis that shakes the African continent every day. Ivory Coast one day, North Kivu the other day, Central Africa, Guinea-Bissau, Mali, Nigeria. Just open your television. You will hear about these countries. Each conflict brings to us is part of migrants trying to flee misery, religious fanatism, and dictatorship. And I'm very sorry, but I must say that nobody wants them. Nobody wants this person. As for Jesus and his family, there is no room for them into the inn. No room for them. No room for them in Europe. Nobody wants them in Europe, you know. But you want to know, you have to know that there is no room for them either in Morocco. Nobody wants them in Morocco then. They actually have no right. Do you know what is the Arabic word to say black people, black person? They say Azia. And that means slave. It's the same word to, be, to say black people and slave. For them, all the black people, all sub-Saharan people are have been or should be slave, actually. But in fact, slaves have a better condition. They have food. They have shelter most of the time. Migrants don't. They live by 25 or 30 young Karunis in a single room in Fez. They live into the forest under plastic sheet in Ujda. And every day the police come and burn everything out every day what will happen to them it will happen what happen every day to other migrants caught by the Moroccan police they will be taken in roundup by the police insulted beaten injured herded into jails and brought by bus to the Algerian border in a city called Ujda, thrown into the desert by night, without water, alone, sometimes naked, most of the time without their shoes 
and their phone. Some of them will be taken by the Algerian militaries. Women have 80% chances to be raped, and all of them will fall into network for drugs, prostitution, and human trafficking, and many, many, many babies are born in this situation. And they have no identity, no paper. They don't exist. Really. Some will come back to Morocco to try once again to go through to Europe. I met one young guy in Fez who tried 25 times to go through the border. 25 times. What a big engine in his heart. What a big dream in his head. 25 times. What energy in his side. Every year, there are more migrants who die in Morocco than in Mediterranean Sea. About 6,000 people every year dying at the border of Europe. That is every day reality we face. From my point of view, it is a murder. Somebody decide to kill these people. And when you have a murder, you are supposed to find a murderer and a sponsor. There is no room for them in Europe. There is no room for them in Morocco. There is no room for them in their own country. The only place where they are allowed to stay for a while and just breathe normally like a human person is church. The church is the only place all over the world where they can just sit and breathe normally. Churches in Morocco, you understand why they are full. <laughs> Churches in Morocco, both Catholic and Protestant, work hard on this way. And you can believe me, it is not easy when half of your church members are illegal migrants and that you're, you're supposed not to help them because it is forbidden by the law. It is forbidden to help them. Our church, EIM, is engaged with the Catholic Church and with Caritas and other NGO of the civil society to take care concretely of these injured people, welcoming them as far as we, as far as we can, feeding them, clothing them, restoring their dignity as far as it's possible by giving them a professional training, small money for micro-projects, scholarships, 70 scholarships each year for students not becoming illegal migrants, flight tickets for those who would like to go back home, and so on and so on. You know, we have, we have many, many different programs, and if by chance we could have more money we have many, many, many other ideas to help them as far as possible. We act and we will continue on this way 
with all the financial means we are able to collect. But something very, very new is coming. And I would like to share it with you. Nobody knows, but violence is changing camp. Up to now, migrants were coming like beggars, you know, like the poor Lazar lying on the doorstep of the rich man, hands open, hoping that we will share with them the big cake that we are eating without them. But, you know, anger is growing and violence with her. Like the persistent widow, she is coming right now to annoy the unjust judge, to claim her right, to claim for justice. More and more migrants try to organize themselves and to coordinate their actions, to go through the border by force. You can't see this video on the net. You just have to Google it. You will see 500, 1,000, 2,000 young people at the same time trying to climb the fences, trying to force the border with violence. And now policemen and militaries are now insulted, beaten, injured by migrants. Violence change camp. Violence is extreme. Some months ago, a Ghanaian man, migrant, I know very well because he is the one who showed to me the place where the militaries throw the people into the desert, was found cut into pieces at the border. Five pieces. You know, extreme violence. I am very afraid for the students of my church who are involved in this very difficult job. Let me remind you that most of the time we have no adults in our church, just young people coming into Morocco for studying. And this is these young people who are between 18 and 25 years old who are doing the job. And it is very dangerous for them, for their life, for their study. They can be expelled at every time. I would like to share with you the admiration I have for them, these young people. I admire them very much, very much. You know, many, many things can be against us during your life. That's the reason why these words of Paul to Romans are very important for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our love. This is our faith, and we need it to be stand up, to face these things. It is very important. We have this hope. That is very important in our church, so important that when the Synod gathered to write our statement on faith, we choose to say, to say these things. And I would like to quote for you this little word, the second stanza from our statement of faith in our church. That's what we wrote all together, the students and the pastor and all the elders. We are a family, raised up and restored. This is the work of the Son through us. When we are weary, wounded, or despairing, he hears our cries. On the cross, revealing his love to be stronger than death, he draws near to us and offers us comfort. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is what lifts us up. This is what makes us strong. The resurrected Christ then rises us to action. In solidarity with those in need, we seek to offer hospitality and aid to those who suffer. We rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and seek to live in peace with all. The Son sends us forth in service of love. That's what we believe. The Son sends us forth in service of love. That is our calling, our mission, our job, our everyday job. We are supposed as Christian in a Muslim country has to be share, sharing resurrection with all people we meet. We don't do that because we are kind people, because we are good people, because we have a a big heart. We do this because we don't have the choice. These people are in our church. So we have to share with them the resurrection. We received resurrection from Christ. We share resurrection with everybody who wants it. That is our mission. Lifts us people. Jesus never said, you will never fall into your life. For sure we will fall. Many times. He said to us, you won't stay down. With me, if you believe in me, you will never stay stuck on the ground in the mud. You will be rising. That is very, very important for us. So we have many, many hopes and many, many dreams in our mind. Let me share with you some dreams, some hopes. A few months ago, the king, Mohammed the the sixth, said the situation of migrants is, is not fair. We are African people, as Moroccan people, we have to share with African people. So I want, as a king, that my people welcome migrants. Oh, 
We never heard about that before. First time. And the king said, I want that every illegal migrant can be regularly... I can't say it in English. It's so difficult for me. <laughs> regularly... No, how can I say it? It's okay. You understood? Great. <laughs> I want that every child born in illegal situation can be welcome in the school, Moroccan school. I want that every people can be healed in the hospital. That's the king's word. That's not reality for sure. Not yet. But we hope it will become reality. The king says that. So it may become step by step reality. So we decided we wanted to create a special Christian school for these children who are born in a forest with no identity in Christian family to give them healing, scholarization, to help them to learn some Arabic language so they can go into public school. And they can be in public school as Christian. We want to create this school for them, for these children. It's fair, no? We want also to hire a student pastor to work with these all illegal community, migrant community exist, that exist underground. Many, just in Rabat, we have 18 churches underground for migrants. We want to work with them, to help them, and we need a student pastor for that. We will have, if we get a chance to have the money to. We will have, we will do it. But it's not only dreams, it's not only hope, it's not only faith, you know. It becomes reality because God told us, nothing will separate you from my love. I love you, I won't let you separate from my love. And I will show you in the reality that is not just for hope, it's for reality today. And then he made us a very huge gift because you know, we in Morocco, we do know that we are too small to do the job. We are too weak to do the job. We are too poor, too young, not numerous enough, not enough skill to do the job. But God said, I will give you a gift and you will see in the reality. You know, I have some disciples of mine they are living in the United States in a special place called Kentucky. And in a special place, very special place called Highland. They are Baptist, Highland Baptist Church. You know, you sure God. Oh my Lord. You will and he gave us a partnership between Highland Baptist Church and EAM and my church in Morocco. That is reality for many years. Eight years, isn't it? I'm right, eight years reality. So it is so important for us that you are in partnership with us to do the job because we are too weak to do it by ourselves. We need your help. And you gave us many things. And I gave just four gifts by you. You gave us your prayer. Your prayer is so important because if you pray for us, God will do your prayer 
through us. Your prayer make God act through us. It's not our acts. We are not proud of our acts. It's God will. God acts. You gave us your money. For many times you gave us your money. What generosity for people you never know. You will never meet this guy, these people, these young people. You will never meet them. And they are not dangerous for you. You are too far from them. You will never meet them. But you decided to share your money with them, for them. Oh, how it's possible. It's a gift from God. Just gift from God. You gave us your love. That is the most important thing, the most impressive thing I received since I came in Kentucky and met you. Your ability to love me, to love us. And the free hugs you gave at me. It's so a powerness you gave to me. You know, energy, positive energy you gave me. You, your love is the gas into our engine. We have an engine, but we need gas to put inside. And the gas is your love. It's a powerful gas. We can go very fast and very far with your love. Please, go on. <laughs> and the fourth thing. So, you gave us your prayer, your money, your love. But now we need your voice. Because our situation in Morocco doesn't allow us to speak officially, to have a public and politic influence. We are supposed to shut up. If you want to go on in our action among migrants, we just have to shut up. But you can speak for us. You may speak for us. Be our voice. Please tell them, tell all over the world in the media, in internet and so on, in newspaper and television, tell that it is unfair. My God is the God of justice and he claimed for justice and your voice can claim for justice for us. Please do it. Be our voice. If God is for us, who could be against us with all what you gave us? Nobody. We are strong. And because of your love, we are strong. Thank you very much. From the bottom of my heart. Amen.